He's a sulky, over-funky, kinda hunky superhero. Hot to piston and electrically transistored superhero. An exotically neurotic and aquatic superhero. The Marvel superheroes have arrived. Hello and welcome to Marvel Vision, a Marvel Studios TV show podcast brought to you by Cinema Sangha. My name is Devin Faraci. I'm one of the hosts of this program. Joining me as he traditionally does. My name is Derek Faraci, and snow is falling from the sky like ashes from an urn. Sweet dreams, my little one. Now it's my turn. You really got just the, always got an emo lyric <laughs> for any occasion. <laughs> any? That's an Eels Christmas song that was on the soundtrack for The Grinch Who Stole Christmas. Well, there. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Wowzers. Yep. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm all right. I'm tired. Sunday, we record this on Sunday. Sundays are hard for me. I have my day job on Sundays, and then I got to come home and do this. So it's like a, it's like a lot. It's a lot for me. Um, but you know, I do it for the people. For because I love the people. I love the people. That's why. Yeah. Who you gotta doesn't? love. You gotta love the people. Yes. Anything good happened to you this weekend? You play more Spider Man. Uh, I finished Spider Man. I finished all the DLC. And I've moved on to Miles Morales. And you spend all your time playing Miles Morales now? Uh, I spent today, most of today, playing Miles Morales. Does that mean you stopped playing Snap? No, I'm playing Snap as well. Of course. You know, you take a break. (laughs) Take a break from that one game to play the other game. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it works. You know, it's funny. Sometimes, like, when I'm, like, wasting a lot of time playing dumb games or whatever, I think about, like, well, when I'm dying, am I going to look back and go, oh, I wasted that time? I think I don't think I'm going to think that. No, I think when I'm dying, I'm going to think I'm dying. That's probably what I, what I imagine I'll be thinking. Oh, shit, this is so scary. I'm dying. Yeah. Uh, oh. I, don't think, I don't think I'm going to regret the time spent wasting time. I think I like wasting the time. I love wasting time. Yeah, it's nice, isn't like it? It's my favorite thing to do. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. You know, also, like, frankly, what else am I supposed to do? Well, right. You know, Um, I've also had a very packed life. I've done a lot of stuff. So, like, if I'm going to waste some time now, I feel pretty okay about that. Yeah, you've traveled the world. I have traveled the earth. I have traveled the earth. Um, I I read comics today, too. So I did that. What'd you read today? I've been catching up on Superman, Son of Kal-El. That's what I've been doing. So I've been catching up continuously. We talked about this, I think, last week on Avengers titles. Yeah. Yo, there's some really good stuff happening in these Avengers titles. Oh, yeah, because last week you were like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, you know, it took me a minute to kind of like get into it, and now I'm like, okay, this is actually really terrific. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, it. last week you had said this stuff sounded like Grant Morrison, and I think it does a lot. It's very big Silver Age energy, big modern Silver Age energy, you know, like a yeah. modern take on Silver Which, Age stuff. to be clear, when I said that, I'm not putting it down. I love the Grant no, Morrison. No, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. I don't, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't think you were. I just I, that, that was a very correct thing. But like, so it's this, it's happening in the Avengers titles, and then there's like a, a, a companion miniseries, Avengers Forever. And um, in Avengers Forever, the Ghost Rider has figured out that he can ri- anything that he that can be ridden, he can turn into his hell mount. <laughs> okay, and so, so he like is. Lawnmower? I mean, literally anything, including. And I think it might just be semantic. I don't even think because he's he's fighting um, the Black Skull, who, if you recall, last week I said is the Red Skull. It's an alternate universe Red Skull who has merged with the Venom symbiote. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. And 
Ghost Rider goes, you know what? That 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 thing's not a weapon that you're wearing. It's a vehicle that's carrying you around, which means that I can ride it. And then so he be, Ghost Rider rides the Venom symbiote. I don't and know if I agree with that because it's a, it's a living being. It doesn't make a difference. So it's a horse, right? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. And the and the Ghost Rider of the Old West fucking rode a horse. Yes, but that horse wasn't like flaming or anything. I think it was just a normal horse, wasn't it? No, he's got flaming hose and shit like that. Yeah. Oh, they, um, they and so, but he 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 rides the venom, and the venom goes over his car. So his car is a hell car with venom all over it. That's pretty. And cool. the front grill is like venom teeth. It's so fucking cool. It's cool. like really great. And um, and then uh, there was a really uh. There's a couple of really terrific comics, including one with an alternate universe. Because it's like the idea is the masters of evil from the, the most evil versions of each of these villains from different universes, like the pinnacle versions of them, have come together. So the most evil Killmonger comes from a world, an alternate Earth, where he has like killed billions of people, and T'Challa's parents put him in a rocket and sent him out into space. Oh, so he's like evil Superman. No, T'Challa's oh, not it's evil. It's uh, Hulk, actually, right? Isn't that World War Hulk? Well, no, it's Superman. It's T'Challa. It's not. It's not. Yeah. not it's not Killmonger. It's T'Challa, the okay. Black Panther. Okay. Yeah. 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 So he goes off into space, and he gets raised uh, with the Shi'ar, uh, and then um, he ends up um, inside a vibranium cocoon inside a sun, and then he gets rescued by the Avengers of our Earth from there, and he comes out, and he's now the Star Panther. Oh, there you go. And he looks. It's like really cool. It's like Superman. It's like very very cool. Um, and then the evil Dr. Doom that runs the masters of evil, the multiversal masters of evil, he's the most evil doom in the multiverse. Yeah. And, um, what he does is he travels the multiverse, uh, he travels the multiverse killing other dooms. And he has to do that because his, um, armor is mystical and to keep it charged, he must kill something that he loves. And since he killed his girlfriend on his earth, there's nothing else that he loves as much as himself. So he has to travel the multiverse killing himself in order to keep his armor charged up. And the ones that he doesn't kill, he, um, he bends to his will. So he conquers other dooms. And among the dooms that he has conquered is a doom from a world where everybody's a man thing. Okay. There you go. So it's the doom thing. (laughs) And you know how the man thing says, whatever knows fear will burn at the touch of the man thing. Yes. The doom thing says, whatever knows insolence will burn at the touch of the doom thing. <laughs> How good is that? That's pretty great. But then the big reveal at the end of this particular issue, and this is like months and months old, so I don't feel that bad um, revealing it, is that the whole story is being narrated by um, Doom the Living Planet. Oh, that's great. It's an ego that's a big giant doom face. It's fucking incredible. It's so good. And now the Avengers are traveling through time because what happened is that Mephisto, there's a whole council of multiversal Mephistos, and they're trying to travel back in time and destroy the heroes of 1 million BC who um, made Earth into a superhero planet. Yeah. And um, Mephisto is like time traveling to different eras and trying to kill different secret heroes of those eras so like in world war ii there's a guy um whose name is like sergeant zardos and he is the soldier supreme he's a world war ii soldier who ended up crash landing in the himalayas and the ancient one made him the sorcerer supreme so he's like one part sergeant rock one part uh dr strange that's great 
it's pretty incredible. And he, he leads the secret invaders, um, who deal with just monsters. And, uh, they also go back in time to, uh, the Edo Japanese period where they, uh, meet the ghost Ronin. And, okay. uh, so it's the ghost rider, but as a fucking samurai. Yeah. I mean, it's like so cool. It's just fundamentally the coolest shit. Like it's just very, very fun. That's um, very cool. so I am like really, really super into it. It, for a minute, I was like, you know, this is okay, but like, all they're all mashups. Like, that's all these things are, are mashups. And at first, I was like, eh, I don't know. But the more I got into it, I was like, you know what? I don't need to see like all what if versions. Like, oh, it's sad yeah. Peter Parker. But what is better is when it's you know, uh, Ghost Rider as a samurai. Like, okay, cool, that's very cool. Let's let's do let's do one comic about that. Yeah. Um. So it really, uh, I'm really, really enjoying it. Really, really enjoying it. Good. I'm glad. Yeah. I highly recommend. It's actually the best issue of Avengers Forever was a whole bunch of alternate universe Steve Rogers wake up in a prison. Okay. And it's all these different Steves, including one of them, the dog. <laughs> <laughs> From a universe where everybody's a dog. <laughs> and uh, they have to figure out like what's up with this prison. And the, the reveal at the end is very, very good. Um, but it's like really great because all these different Steve Rogers, like how they come to deal with this prison um, is pretty terrific you know it's just like really good steve rogers storytelling yeah so yeah i i if you're out there uh it begins um with like issue 51 of the current avengers run and um it's concurrent with this uh avengers forever comic and i'm i'm really truly enjoying it wasn't there already an avengers forever comic that's all that marvel does now they just do new things with the same old names i don't know why they keep doing this i mean i legitimately don't know why they keep doing this i don't know i don't know i don't know why this isn't called the infinite avengers or something like that like i I don't understand that at all yeah that's interesting Uh, on one of these earths there is an there's an there's an infinity thing it's um ben Grimm who went up into space and somehow became uh a thing that's covered in gems and uh, all that he says again and again and again is that uh, the door is opening. It is almost time. And he keeps saying that again and again and again. And then when this big event happens, which is what he's been like building up to, he goes, it is time. The time is here. The clobbering time. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's like so fun. It's just like very, very fun. Like yeah. this like super like cosmic thing going, it is the clobbering time. It's really that's just great. amazing. Yeah, that's fun. Sounds like a good time. Yeah, it was a very, very good time, and uh, um, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just a blast. So very imaginative, you know. Yeah, and every couple of pages they'll do something, and I'll go, "Holy shit, that's actually a really great fucking idea!" Like, wow, what a wildly good idea that is. Yeah, I would definitely be interested in like a ghostwriter Ronin story. That sounds interesting. And it's just like one story. Like he doesn't like join the team or whatever. It's just like they yeah. go and he like does some shit, you know, like and you're like, okay, that's super cool. That's all that I need. I need like 25 pages of this, and that's it. The yeah. end. Well, so yeah. I like it. Yeah, me too. Uh do we have any Marvel or DC or comic book movie TV show news business? We do. We do. What do we got? Uh first off, Quentin Tarantino has Anchored the world by stating a fact that uh, there are no more movie stars. Yeah, I wrote about this last week. If you are a member of the Patreon, uh, it's, in your, it's in your mailbox somewhere. He's just right. And this is he's not the only person that said this. This is not new. I, I don't really understand why Simu Liu got mad about this. It's know. like so weird. It really is like such a weird thing to get mad about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's also – I 
somewhat disagree with Tarantino on one thing that he's like he's like it's Marvel movies that that ended the the movie star, and I don't think it is. I think the movie star was essentially dead in the nineties. Like that was the death of the movie star. Uh, when it became more common for movie stars to do TV. And I think that killed it. Once the movie star was on TV, they weren't that special anymore. And that was the end of it. I mean, there's like a lot of different pieces that went into it because the movie star has been in decline for 20 or 30 years and the people have been writing about it for a long time. So this is not like new. This isn't like, you know, this has been a a, a trend that's been happening for a long time. And I think it's now hitting sort of like the big spot, like where there really just are no more movie stars except for Tom Cruise. And and Sandra Bullock. Um, I don't even know that she is. I mean, I guess her last one did pretty good, right? Yeah. Uh, Lost City of D made like over $100 million in the U.S. Yeah, but that isn't that great. But it's good. It's I not guess, that great, but that it, was early, it was early reopening of pandemic stuff, right? Or not early, but like mid. Like we yeah, had and it was streaming where, at the same time, wasn't it? Um, I don't or think like it close. Was. Close. It was like one of those 30-day windows. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess, I mean, she doesn't do, a, I mean, I guess, well, whatever. Anyway, anyway, yeah, the, the, I wrote about it. If you're interested, I, I did a whole thing. I, I highly, highly recommend reading it cause I'm, uh, I'm a good, I'm a good writer. <laughs> what else we got? We've got, uh, what is this one? Uh, James Gunn says he wants all DC movies, TV and, uh, video games to be connected, which is interesting that he wants to connect the video games as well. Seems a little much. Hmm. That is really interesting. I kind of don't like that, but. I mean, that's what Star Wars does, right? Isn't it all Supposedly, right? Yeah. But Star Wars doesn't have many games anymore. No, but DC doesn't have many games. That's a good point. Uh, I have been playing um, the Gotham Knights game. Yeah. The newest Batman game. Um. And that one can't be connected because Batman is dead in that one. Yes. Although maybe it can. This, That's how they'll get around it. <laughs> this is not. Um, this is not connected to the Arkham games. It turns out. No, I told you that last week. Right, but so what's crazy is I, I keep on playing it. Characters in the game talk about canon stuff that I'm just like, why are they just dropping this shit into this game? Like, do people really know this? Like, it's like so weird to me. It's, like they're talking, yeah. they're talking about to Red Hood, and Red Hood's like. Then somebody says to him, you know, when you were dead, Batman came to your grave. And I was like, what a weird thing to drop into a game like where he was not dead in the game. You know what I mean? Like none of this is in the game. Like it's just like a character having a conversation with a guy saying when you were dead. And it's like, wow, that's like that's why that's why I thought it was a sequel to those games, because I thought it was like picking up the storylines from those games. Nope. Nope. It's own thing. But I I mean, that's how a lot of especially the the superhero video games work is – there's a pre-existing continuity and they just drop little bits and bobs here that are usually just right from the comics, you know, like, like the Spider-Man game, they make it clear he's been Spider-Man for eight years and all of his villains are around and he's been doing stuff. Yeah. But I feel like Spider-Man's villains, I, having played that game, that stuff feels like they're, um, the villains feel like they're big enough that you don't need super explanations and none of that feels that important. And all the stuff in his, in the eight year history, feels like stuff that's easy to catch up on. I do yeah. feel like if I'm a regular person playing a game and somebody says to one of the characters who I'm playing, back when you were dead, Batman kept coming to your grave. <laughs> I, that feels weird. That feels way weirder than like Norman Osborn has been the Green Goblin. Do you know what I mean? Like that feels like really intensely complicated. 
Yeah, but I imagine most people who play Gotham Knights are well-versed in the Batman mythos. Do you think so? Aren't these games yeah. supposed to be like blockbuster movies, like in terms of like how many people are playing them? Like they're supposed to really just hit every quadrant. Like, Yes, right? yeah. But So you think most people know that Red Hood was a dead guy? I, th- I think it's pretty well known at this point. Yeah. Really? Yeah, it's been like 20 years. No, I know. There's plenty of things that are 20 years. I just didn't know I mean, because they have comics and uh, movies and, and TV shows that have covered it. So I think it's pretty I guess well covered. What, my feeling is that if it isn't in the live action movies, nobody knows it. You think so? I don't know. That's my feeling. Or if it wasn't in Batman the Animated Series. Okay. Well, And I don't think he was dead in Batman the Animated Series, right? There is no Jason Todd in the Batman right. anime. So I just, I feel like most people don't know that. I mean, like people like listen to the podcast like this know that, but yeah. like regular people who pick up a game and it isn't like a big plot point, but it is like one of those things like as, as Dick Grayson is saying this to him, it's like, huh? Whoa. I'm sure they have a, a character bio you can read, right? That unlocks. I guess, I, I guess that there is in fact some place where that. there's a text fucking wall of text. As, as someone who, wrote many character bios for the game blood of the werewolf. And I know no one ever read them. <laughs> like I, I know every game has them. So sometimes I get like my OCD going and because like in the game, I'll have like a little exclamation point next to all my data bank stuff. And yeah. I'll just open the data bank and close it immediately to make the exclamation point go away. <laughs> yep. Yep. Cause I just don't want the fucking notification anymore. Yeah. I don't read the shit. I just fucking open it and close it. Yeah. Yeah. That's the fun part of writing for video games is, you know, nobody cares. Nobody will ever read this shit. Every time a cutscene starts, everyone goes, oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> including me. Including me. <laughs> I've done that many times playing Spider-Man and Miles Morales. I'm like, oh, my God, another goddamn phone call. <laughs> like, Come on, I'm just trying to go beat up some muggers. You know, the, the worst part of the Spider-Man game is the Mary Jane stuff. Yes. It's yeah. very bad. Yeah. It's yeah. an excellent game. And then all of a sudden you're playing as Mary Jane. Well, no, I disagree. Actually, the worst thing is the screwball challenges. Those are the worst things. I don't remember I getting those. those. So I don't, I don't, I don't remember doing those. So I don't do those with a passion. I also feel like I just don't do a lot of those side challenges. I don't care. Yeah. I just don't give a shit. It's all the story stuff that becomes a problem for me. So like when I'm playing the game and all of a sudden I have to play as Mary Jane and not, this is not like one of those like, Oh girls, but it's like, I've been playing this game as Spider-Man who can like web around the city. Everything. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I'm playing like, character hide behind this desk. Yeah, it's all that you do is hide behind a desk. Yeah. It really is like, Oh, this is not great gameplay. Yeah. <laughs> Knock something over. So they'll look the other way. <laughs> it's just not great. Really? Yeah. yeah. It's not great. All right. What else we got? Uh, sticking with James Gunn, he revealed that the most requested character that he's gotten since uh, getting his position at DC is Booster Gold. Wow. So, yeah. Everybody wants a Booster Gold movie. So Chris Pratt sitting by the, fo- by the phone waiting for that call. Yeah. I mean, like, honestly, like, obviously this was always a character that James Gunn was going to do well with Booster Gold. Yeah. But for some reason, the Guardians holiday special really makes me feel like more than ever he would knock Booster Gold out the park. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. I, I think wonder, he never did the he never did the fish out of water thing until now, and I think that he does it so well that I'm like, okay, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, he would kill Booster Gold. Yeah, he would do well with Booster Gold. I do wonder if he'll end up bringing over any of the actors from Guardians and like cast them in DC stuff, or if he'll 
just let them go be something the else. Big, the big question is, is that is Dave Bautista, who's like 54 years old. And won't now take that he's, off a shirt anymore. Won't take off a shirt anymore. Is he just going to get fat, which is exactly what I would do if I no longer had to walk around my shirt off all the time. Yeah. I, and like I would, if I was, fi- I'm 54 year old man. You feel like what he wants to do is like, just eat some fucking pizza. Yes. He's yeah. got to want it, right? He's got to want yeah. it so bad. Yeah. I guess uh, Glass Onion is probably the last time we'll see him shirtless is, is if he gets his way. Well, he's shirtless in Guardians 3, I'm sure. Oh, he's wearing a lot of shirts in the... Uh, he is wearing a lot of shirts in this one, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah. Um, um, I'd love to see Booster Gold show up in DC. I would too. I would too. Although Booster without Beetle, I don't know how that works out. You know, John without Ted. Yeah, I mean, I think you could do it, but well, you could, you definitely could, but it would always be back there in my brain, like, oh, where's Ted? Uh, he's like the villain in Blue Beetle, isn't he? He's dead in Blue Beetle. Is he dead in Blue Beetle? The the movie? Yes, his sister. Very sad. Very sad. Yes. Way to waste a character. (laughs) Way to Jimmy Olsen that guy. I guarantee that's the kind of shit James Gunn will not be doing. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Although, who knows? Right. Maybe he's not dead. Maybe we'll find out he's not dead. They have plenty of time to film a post-credit sequence where Chris Pratt comes out. Or not, I guess, not Chris Pratt. You know, who would be good for that role? A booster of Blue Beetle? Of, Ted Cord? Ted Cord, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. You put me on the spot. I can't come up with somebody on the spot. Yeah. Somebody comes out and is like, I'm not dead. And there you go. Don't tell anybody. I haven't died. All right. What else we got? Uh, Blade has a new director with uh, mm-hmm. Jan Demange, mm-hmm. and uh, there you go. Uh, that seems interesting to me. Yeah, uh, I think that's a good choice. Um, he's a guy who has um, he's a guy who has really a lot of folks I know in the industry have been like, "When is this guy gonna, gonna go to the next level? Yeah, when yeah. is he gonna go to the next uh, the next level?" Um, and, uh, he's a, he's a pretty good, uh, he's a pretty good director. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, did, uh, did you see 71? I did not see 71. It's a Northern Ireland movie and it yeah. fucking absolutely rules. Uh, yeah. it really rules. Um, and, uh, it is the story of, um, it's 1971 it's Belfast and it's, uh, during the, this uprising and, um, Jack O'Connell plays a British soldier who gets separated from his, group and has to make his way through the city oh very interesting. no i mean like and obviously like you're like rooting on like a british soldier which sucks but like um it's like fucking like really intense it is like you should totally check this movie out in the next couple of weeks um it's like a very intense good movie all right i will check it out 71. so yeah 71 it's i mean just a terrific terrific film um he did white boy rick which um i actually did not see oh i, I did see white boy rick yeah, how was that? I didn't watch it. it okay. I didn't bother. It was okay. I had to legally because it's a it's a Michigan movie. So <laughs> you gotta go. The <laughs> ticket just showed up at my home. The Michigan State go. Trooper show up at your house and escort you to the theater. Yep. Like, have you seen it? Come on. Uh, you, you get a tax break if you go see White Boy Rick. <laughs> if you see any, any movies that take place in Michigan, you get a tax break. Barbarian tax break. Great, setup. <laughs> Great deal. Yeah, uh, I think he's a pretty interesting choice for Blade. I'm pretty excited. I, I I think again, this is a guy who like it's been like 
a minute where everybody's been like, okay, when is he going to get his franchise movie? Because he has really terrific action chops. Yeah. Well, the the internet will be very upset that he's doing a franchise. I'm very annoyed. Uh, well, he's actually been they doing so much all the TV. Good directors. He's been doing so much TV. I think that people aren't actually going to care that much. They take all the good directors by gunpoint and force them to make these movies. All right. What else? What else we got? That's it. That's all the news. You know, in other news, I watched the second episode of Tulsa King. I watched the first episode of Tulsa King. What did you think of the first episode of Tulsa King? It's pretty good. It's pretty good, right? Yeah. It's like weird. It's like very weird. It's very weird. It's a very odd show. Uh, It's like hard to get a real handle on what the show is. It starts real quick. (laughs) I really appreciated that. Like, it's like takes five minutes and he's in Tulsa. Like, it just does not fuck around. Like, it just. Yeah, I really thought like the episode would would end with him in Tulsa. Was my thought process. That's how TV is these days. You would you end the first episode with him getting to Tulsa, but no, he's in Tulsa in the first five minutes, and then the first thing he does in Tulsa is meet a guy who's going to become his driver. And then yeah. the second thing he does is meet Martin Starr. Like it's just like it's like immediate. Like they just hit in story beats one, two, three. Yeah, I don't understand nice why he's not in jail. <laughs> it's one thing why Martin Starr wouldn't just call the cops and be like, "Hey, this guy is attacking my business." Well, the traditional reason why is that because when you have a guy like that, this is how the mafia works. When you have a guy like that that comes in and causes trouble like that. Um, you know that if you call the police, they will come back and kill you. Yeah. I mean, that's the reason why. Like, one, you know that if you get the police involved, you're really in trouble. Like, they're gonna hurt you or kill you. Yeah. And so that's why you just are afraid to get the cops involved. I guess. That's like very traditionally the reason why. Now, why the fucking guy at the car dealership doesn't call the cops on him, that I'm not so sure about. Yeah. Yeah. The guy he I beats did, with I did, like, I did like the bit with Martin Starr when he's like, you know, I'm here to protect you from the other gangs. And Martin Starr's like, there's no gangs. He goes, and from the police, he's like, this is a legal business. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I like that. that was good. In episode two, Stallone gets stoned. There you go. And he starts ranting about Arthur Miller, the playwright. Oh, all right. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. It's really something else. He, he rants about pronouns and Arthur Miller. Okay. Yeah. You couldn't ask for anything more than this. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. I also very... like they do a good job of playing with what he knows and what he doesn't know. Right. You know, like when he first gets in that guy's cab, his driver's cab, and he asks him something about Oklahoma, and, he, and the guy's like, I don't know. He's like, you've never been curious? He's like, I don't know, not really. And he's like, well, too bad no one's ever created a device where you could just instantly look up something to know it. And for a moment, I was like, are they trying to play like he doesn't know what a phone is, like a cell phone is, because he's been in prison for 25 years? And then the guy's like, are you messing with me? He's like, yeah. And I like that, that he's not yeah. like... You know, he was in prison. He's not, he wasn't in a, like, suspended animation. It's not Demolition Man. Well, that's the thing. I think in, I think in the first episode, he's talking to Martin Starr about that he needs to launder the money that he's making. Yeah. And he goes, and Martin's like, well, what should I do with it? And Stallone goes, tanning salons. And I was like, oh, no, is the joke going to be that he's still doing the old? And he goes, yeah. no. He goes, but now they're dead end. So we got to figure out what the new thing is. And I was like, oh, that's very smart. Like, that's, re- yeah. but it's really smart. And it's, um, super weird, and it really is like if somebody did the Sopranos, but like leaned a little bit heavier on the comedy. Yes, um, like well, if Tony I would Sopranos- say it's like a more serious My Blue Heaven. Yeah, it definitely is more serious My Blue Heaven. Um, but it's just very odd, and uh, I'm excited to see where it goes because I really am enjoying it. There's a new episode tonight. When we finish this podcast, I may in fact go watch it. There you go, perfect. All right, do we have trivia? We do have trivia. What do we got? 
We've got... All right, you ready? Yeah. Who can lift Thor's hammer? Thor. Well, he's not listed, so no. (laughs) Jane Foster. Nope. (laughs) Not listed. Captain America and the Vision. Uh, Neither of those are listed. Who's listed? Caps. (laughs) It says Caps? Caps. (laughs) C-A-P-S. Caps, Hulk, Iron Man, Spider-Man. Those are the choices. No uh, Bash and Spider-Man. Two separate words. It's caps, but also the vision. Like in, like vision carries it. Like in the second Avengers movie. Yes, he does. Yep. (sighs) All right. All right. What else? What's the next one? Caps. Caps. What what fake name does Natasha use when she first meets Tony? Oh, good one. I don't know. And you want the four options? What are the four options? Natalie Rushman. Natalie Rushma. Natalie Rush. Natalie Rushman. M U N. We did not work hard on this. <laughs> Natalie Rushman. Yes. Okay. That's so funny. It's the same fucking answer four times. <laughs> I love Natalie Rushma. Rushma. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it just really I just you gave up on it. Up something more than that? Come on. <laughs> what does Thor want another of when he's in the diner? Uh, another coffee? Yes. Here we go. There you go. All right. Are you ready to talk about the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special? I am. Let's do it. It's a Marvel special presentation, the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. Um, I've already seen people upset about this online. Upset? Why? <laughs> uh, because uh, because uh, Rocket gets Bucky's arm. Oh, yep, yep, yeah. I saw James Gunn answer how that happened. James Gunn had to have like an argument with the guy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the honest to God answer is it's funny. That's how yes. it, ha- that's it. That's the whole thing. It's funny. Yeah. It's funny yeah. and like weirdly sweet. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. with the ideal James Gunn thing. Yeah. Um, but of course there's enough stuff in this that will upset the canon crazy. Well, in fairness to them, Marvel's whole thing is like everything flows together. And then, I mean, there's definitely questions in this of like, when does this take place? <laughs> What's going well, on? I think it does take place. I think that when we see Guardians 3, it'll be very clear where it takes place. I mean, it takes place before Guardians 3, I imagine. Maybe. It has to, because they're still Why? looking for Gamora. And that's what Guardians 3 is, is them finding Gamora. But that may happen at some point in the movie. Do you know what I mean? Like, so there's moments oh, so you, in... Okay, yeah. Like, the, this we skip four months. Uh, yeah, this is a classic. Remember in the comic books, like there'll be like a whole issue and they go, this takes place between panels six and seven of page nine of Fantastic Four 27. You know what I yeah. mean? Like it, it could be it could be that. But it probably it, it is. also that they say uh, they bought nowhere from the collector. But if I'm not mistaken, the collector's dead. Yeah, I'm very curious about that. Yeah. That I so, really want to know. What and there's the plenty of time between Guardians of the Galaxy 2 and Infinity War that they could have bought nowhere from the collector. But I just don't know. 
where that pops up. Well, this is not even Infinity War. This is probably after Thor Love and Thunder. No, this has to be after Infinity War. Mantis recognizes Captain America. Thor Love and Thunder is after Infinity War. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay, yeah. Yeah. It's he leaves with them at the end of Thor at the end of, yeah. at the end of so this Endgame. In theory, this is, after that, yeah, this definitely is after that because Gamora's yeah. dead and also gone. Yeah. So she's like both of those things, and um, that she that she dies in Infinity War. So this is definitely after that, and it's not even a question. It's it, it's just a matter of like, does it take place right before the third movie? Does it take place like in some point during the first act of the third movie? Um, but yeah, them. I, that was such a pointed reference yeah. that I feel like that's got to show up someplace. And it was one of those ones where I was like, man, am I just not remembering a thing that happened in a movie? I don't think it happened but in a movie. I don't think it happened in a movie. No. No, I think it just gets dropped in there. That's interesting. I kind of like that. I liked it this way because they, they, they shot but, this I mean, while they were shooting that, three. Yeah, and, and that's one thing that I do like about Marvel is that because it moves in real time, Sometimes stuff happens in the stories that we don't see. Right. You know, most of Tony and and uh, uh, Pepper's relationship is off camera. Right. You know, like we jump in and there's different things. They're broken up. They're back together. We don't see that stuff happening, but we know it's happened. And it's like, oh, I like that. I like that aspect of it. You know, as to the idea of like Marvel's whole thing is that everything happens, yada, yada, yada. This feels very much like we you and i have both read a hundred comic books like this yeah where all of a sudden there's an issue where like weird funny things happen and it is technically in canon and continuity yeah um it's called that, assistant editors month assistant editors month i mean that really is like the ultimate version of this right the assistant yeah. editors month like where anything could have happened because back then it was like 1983 or 84 the joke was all the editors were off that month so the assistant editors took over all the comics and so wacky things would happen in the comics and um for like a certain generation, that's like a very defining Marvel comics event. Yep. Um, Cause it wasn't an event. It was just like that month, everything was strange. Yep. And but we've been, been through a lot of these, like over the years, like weird Christmas issues, like where daredevil meets Santa Claus. Do you know what I mean? Like yep. that kind of yep. stuff happens all the time, like yep. very, very, very traditionally in the comics. And I like seeing it in the live action stuff. There's a great joke in a, in a flash comic. Where Wally says, I know I've only been alive for about 30 years, but I feel like I've spent like 40 or 50 Christmases already. That's <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> um, this one opens um, with an animated flashback and uh, it's rotoscoped. Yes, it's in Ralph Bashke style, as, as James Gunn said. Loved it. Love the rotoscope. Love seeing the rotoscope. And you know what's funny? I think one of the things I like about James Gunn is that I think James Gunn is really, really brilliant. And I think that he, I think there's a lesser filmmaker that does this. And the done like a Baskin or not Baskin? What were their names? The the guys who did like Rudolph Rankin Bass, yeah. Um, to, to do the Rudolph puppet style, right? That's yeah. I think what like the, everybody's like default nostalgia. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean that's Christmas like the community is. Christmas episode. They do that, right? Like, but they did that like twelve years ago, so like it yeah. didn't feel as played out. At no, it felt very new and, and different at the time, and it was calling back to a very specific thing that connected into the episode really well. Right. Where, uh, Abed and his mom would watch it every year. So that's how that connected. So it, like, you know, Dan Harmon is smart enough not to just do it because it's cool. It's, it has to fit into the story. Right. And here, one of Gunn's things that he has said is that what he was trying to do was like, he was trying to go, what if we made the Star Wars holiday special, but did it good? Yeah. 
And the Star Wars Holiday Special has the animated bits, right? So like that's yeah. so that's like what he's kind of going for here. And uh, the animated bit shows young Peter Quill uh, having just recently joined the Ravagers, and he is with uh, Kraglin, and they're setting up a little tiny Christmas tree. And Yondu comes in and is real mad about it because uh, Ravagers do not take handouts; they earn what they get. And he says, "I want that." tree in the garbage by the time i come back or else you're all on latrine duty which then has one of my favorite jokes in the episode that's well, that's taser's favorite job yeah, exactly this is like so funny like yeah. one of these guys loves doing latrine duty is very very funny to me <laughs> yeah. um and uh this story is being told by craglin to the current day on nowhere and he's talking about how this was a, a thing that happened that ruined christmas for peter quill Yep. And uh, Quill is now very sad because they have settled down. It seems on nowhere. He's very much a um, he's very much a bureaucrat right now. It seems like, like in very short sketches, we get this. Like yeah, he's yeah, like he's, dealing, he's dealing with uh, deliveries and stuff like that. Yeah, right. Which is just not Star Lord business, right? No. And he's also sad because Gamora is gone. And yes. so Craglin notes that on the multi-calendar, he saw that it is almost Christmas time on Earth. Yes. And uh, you know who else is, is sad? Drax. Drax, because nobody died in that story. No, <laughs> or everybody lived. I, I hate <laughs> stories where everybody lives. <laughs> oh, that was great. Uh, so uh, he tells this story and – this gives Mantis an idea. Mantis, who is still trying to figure out with what to do with the revelation that she is Peter's half sister, which she found out in Guardians Two. Which I Did guess she, she finds out in Guardians Two. Yeah, she found out that he goes her dad, didn't she? I thought so, but then I keep seeing things where it's like, oh, they spoiled it. Like Marvel spoiled it before the episode came out, and I was like, I thought we knew that. <laughs> like, I felt like we so, knew that. I thought so too, but I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Boy, you know what's so funny is that Guardians 2 came out like about 700 years ago. Yes. Yes, it did. It really came out like at some point when uh, it was like there were like three competing popes in Europe and uh, the Habsburgs were still in charge. Like it came out so (laughs) fucking long ago. It feels like a different universe that movie came out in, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And then because he got fired and then brought back and then they had to do all the Infinity shit. I mean like it's just like very funny how that came out like in 2016. I think so. So like six years since the last one. It'll be seven by the time the next movie comes out. I don't think Trump was president yet. Was he? He might not have been sworn in yet. Yeah. Um, It's really crazy. Like it's really crazy how long ago that was. Uh, So anyway, uh, 2017 that came out. Okay. Okay. Trump was president. Trump was president. Um, But still fucking forever ago. Yeah. Uh, And – I thought that we knew that, but maybe we didn't. When she said it, it didn't come across as a shock to me. No, no, not at all. It was more shocking that she that she ate all the zagnuts. She ate all the zagnuts. Yeah, she ate all the zagnuts. Very upsetting to Drax. So she has this idea because she's trying to deal with the, this revelation that she is Peter's half sister, and she doesn't want to tell Peter because she's worried because their dad tried to kill him and did kill his mother that he might not like looking at her if she's connected to ego. Yeah. Um, she wants to do something special for him for Christmas. And together, these two um, geniuses come up with the idea um, of kidnapping Kevin Bacon. Yes. Uh, that's their big plan. They're going to go to Earth and get Kevin Bacon. And during that scene, um, the Mantis has the best line delivery of all time with get over the Zark nuts, which made me <laughs> laugh. 
So she's, she yells at Drax in really terrific ways in this, yes. this episode. She is she, fantastic. She's very, very good. Yeah. Um, these two together, like what a brilliant move to put these two together. Yes. Um, one who's no emotion, one who's all emotion. But also like one who they're both like giant toddlers. Yes. And but she's like the giant. I did wonder watching this. I was like, in her race, how old is Mantis? Because she acts very childish at times. She does. Um, But they're like both like giant toddlers. But she's like the giant toddler who's like bossy giant toddler or like responsible giant toddler, but also still a giant toddler. And then he's just like the chaotic giant toddler. Yeah. Um, So it's like brilliant to put these two together and have them to have a whole adventure. Yeah. Um, Really just like this is like. I know you didn't like Werewolf by Night that much, um, but I, I enjoyed that. And it was it was it was pretty popular. It got good reviews, but this in particular, I think, really shows like what value there is in these one shots. Yeah, you can just take two characters, have them do something totally not that important, and just have a good time and get some good character business done. Especially for Mantis, who I think did not get a lot of time to have good character stuff in Guardians Two. Yes, um, but. Uh, they're going to go to Earth. We also, we also get a new Christmas song during the sequence. Oh, sorry, we get the new Christmas song. The old 97s are playing uh, Aliens, and they have a Christmas song that they play. It's the opening credit song that they play for Peter Quill. And it's they, they, they don't know much about Earth Christmas, so they've written a song for Peter based on what they understand about Earth Christmas, yeah. um, which includes the elves taking out Santa's eyes and Mrs. Claus working the pole. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, Santa Claus I, having a flamethrower. What I really like about this too is that there's two musical numbers in this and Gunn gets it. Gunn gets the holiday special vibe. Yes. The musical numbers play all the way out. Yes. Yeah. They're not like – they aren't like – they aren't like montages. They aren't like things that happen while other things are happening. They don't cut them short. The entire song, both of those songs play out. Yes. And they play out with people standing around listening to the band play. Yeah. And that's like classic 70s. during the montage. It's a montage of, of them having like a holiday party, stuff. but it's not like yeah. it isn't like an action montage. It's no, no, like no. A, yeah, it's 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 connected to the band playing. So yeah. you can imagine the band maybe playing other songs in the background while we're hearing this one song, but like yeah. they're doing a whole set is what the assumption probably is. And and also, if you watch carefully during the second song, it seems like the alien singer does not smell good because Kevin ba- every time he comes up to the mic, Kevin Bacon like winces away, <laughs> like looks like grossed out. So uh that's pretty good. Um yeah. Yeah, so we get that that Christmas. It's a pretty good pretty good Christmas song. Yeah, I liked it. I enjoyed it. It's a fun it's a funny yeah. bit. I, you know I who really loved it was Groot. Swole Groot loved it. So Groot, so here's the question. Um is Groot a man in a suit? No, he's all CG. He's all CG? He's all CG. That's so confirmed. All CG. Yes. He looks like a man in a suit. It's an amazing looking CG. Like fantastic looking CG. But I think that's what I want my CG to look like. Yeah. Not like trying to make him look real, but trying to make him look like a man in a suit. Because as a man in a suit, he has like weight and he has like reality to him. Yes. And yeah. I kept going like, that's a that's a person, right? That's a person. They I was like, they must have like maybe like animated his face or his hands or whatever. But that's just a guy in a suit. According to James Gunn on Twitter, it's all CG. There, there was no Groot on set. And it's funny because the – um. This design of the swole Groot of like late teenage swole Groot yeah. is the is 100% the design of a man in a suit because like he doesn't have like smooth joints. Nope. Like he has spots like where he has like overlapping bark that would cover yeah. his joints yeah. where like it was a man in a suit. Yeah. 
it's brilliant. Yeah, it looked great. It looked absolutely fantastic. It looked uh, astonishing, frankly. Yeah. And sadly, it's brought once again James Gunn having to tell people that this is not the same Groot from the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie. <laughs> he has that to keep saying that, and this is his son. He has to keep saying that again and again and again and again. Yeah, it's, I feel kind of bad for him. That is, it's people just don't get it, and I nope. I actually get why they don't get it. Yeah, yeah, I get it too. I mean, he's pulled from dying Groot, right? And like, he's called Groot, <laughs> like he's got the same name. No one in the right. movies has ever said, you're the son of Groot. Like, right. I get it. I get where there's confusion. But I think that the idea is that it's like it's like a sapling of a tree. It really is the same yeah. tree. Like, it's, yeah. it is the same tree, but it isn't the same tree. Yes. So I think that's sort of what's happening. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, so we have a really wonderful opening scene there. We get uh, a little bit more Cosmo and, uh, and Rocket. Um, very minimal Rocket in this. Yes. Um, he apparently is a major, major part of Guardians 3, so I think it's probably smart to pull And also, I, I mean, this is a TV special. I'm sure the effects budget was not super high, so you, you don't want to do too much with the, the the CG raccoon, you know? Oh, yeah. This definitely is a, a TV budget because, uh, as, as always, when the episode where they're just shooting on the streets of Los Angeles of any TV show is definitely one of the episodes, you know, where they're saving some money. <laughs> Even though most of this is filmed in Atlanta, they had to go to LA to, to film special. It's so, so funny. Yeah. Um, but uh, so, oh, before we get past this intro, I want to specify when they revealed the song list, you know, the, the, the awesome mix for this special. Yeah. And uh, Fairy Tale of New York, uh, the Pogues and Christy McCall was on that list. And my friends and I all had the big same question. Is What's the that? slur going to be in it? Nope. Well, they. It's. I think it's a very elegant solution. Yes. Where the special opens with the opening of that song, yep. it fades out, and then the special ends with the ending of that song. Yes. So the middle part where the slur happens just yes. doesn't exist. Yes. And so apparently, not- the song is on Awesome Mix Volume One because at the end you see Yandu bring up the volume in in the ship. And that's when the song rises up. So it would have to be on Awesome Mix Volume 1 because Peter only has Volume 1 until the end of the first movie when he opens up the thing and gets Volume 2. And then at the end of 2, he gets his Zune. So any music that they're listening to on the ship has to be from his mom's first mixtape. So there you go. That doesn't seem like it would fit on that mixtape, right? Nope. I I do have the question of how many songs are on that mixtape. Uh, <laughs> it already seemed like a pretty full tape. And, um, uh, uh, you know, I wonder Fairytale if wonder, New York, not a short song. I wonder if Peter had a, a, a single of fairy tale of New York. <laughs> maybe, maybe he happened to have that in his bag. He happened to have the single of fairy tale of New York. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it seems unlikely. I think this might be one of those things where, um, this is a delightful Christmas special. Yes. And perhaps the continuity aspects of that are less yeah, it's not important. It's not important at all. So they go to Earth, and um, they come to Earth. They come to Los Angeles, and one of my other favorite bits in this is the they're flying in the new ship, which looks really great, the by the way. Yeah, the Bowie, which is from the comics. Is, uh, the ship is called the Bowie in the comics. It looks terrific. and uh, But they come in, and Drax has forgotten to turn off the cloaking device. Yes. And so one of my favorite little bits is as the, the people – The crying woman. And I was yeah. like, that's 100% somebody who has thought a lot about 
these superhero universes. Yes. That every because time aliens have shown up, the world has been nearly destroyed and this one's right. freaking out. Yeah. And she thinks, oh, they're going to blow up LA right now. Like I'm, I'm about yeah. to die. Like it's like yeah. so good. It's so funny. Great. Yeah. I thought that was a, absolutely great. A beautiful touch. Um, they land by the Hollywood sign and then they go down into Hollywood proper. And then the, the episode, the, 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 the show has, um, probably one of the top 10 jokes in the entire Marvel cinematic universe happens now. What the go bots. They are walking and they see a guy in a GoBot costume and Drax begins freaking out. And Mantis says his cousin was killed by a GoBot. <laughs> Which is interesting that the GoBots exist in the MCU, like that's, as an actual race of beings. There's like 10 different levels of this joke that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> that's one of them. That's like one yeah. of the amazing levels of There's this joke. That the guy is a GoBot on, instead of a Transformer. On, it's on a GoBot. Like it's incredible. Like what a reference. Yeah. I. It's like so funny because like there's like a whole – on either side of our generation, there's a whole swath of people who have no fucking clue what that means. Yes. Like people older than us and people younger than us have just no fucking clue why a GoBot is funny. Yeah. Uh, but boy, is a GoBot funny. Yes. I wonder um, how many people watching it thought that was just made up like for this. I mean, probably a bunch if I had to guess. A lot of the um, a lot of the hardcore MCU people are quite young. Yes. Like they and grew up them, with the MCU. Any that might be listening – the GoBots were the original Transformers. They came out before Transformers, and they were robots that turned into vehicles. And then Transformers came out and was much cooler. And uh, because they actually transformed, like the GoBots would just be like, oh, you just flip it over, and now it's it's a robot. Right. <laughs> and that's it, you know? Put it down, and it's a car, flip it up, it's a robot. And it kind of they were kind of lame. And then Transformers came out where it is like, you're going to spend 15 minutes making this metal toy into a robot or a car. And if you don't do it right, it's going to snap in half and your mom's going to be pissed that she spent 20 bucks on this goddamn thing and you broke it. And, uh, but the, the Transformers won. They had a better cartoon as well, which helped. So there you go. Um, yeah, it's, their GoBots are not great. Uh, they're from Tonka, by the way. Yes. Yep. Uh, they're not super great. Um, they did have a couple of cartoon shows. And uh, did, in fact, watch uh, those programs, uh, The Challenge of the GoBots. Yes. Um, the Challenge of the GoBots was being better than Transformers. And they I don't failed. remember anything about the GoBots beyond the fact that there was one year. GoBots, our grandparents got me variously GoBots instead of Transformers for yes. Christmas. Yep. And they, yeah, also got, they also got me some kind of knockoff Voltron that I can't it's remember. It's not a knockoff it Voltron. It was cars that formed into Voltron. And it's not a knockoff Voltron. It's a different type of Voltron. Is that what it is? Yes. I remember being very upset at the time because as a kid, lions, a lion. lions yeah. are Voltron. Yeah. Yeah. But the Cars Voltron is an actual Voltron too, apparently. I found that out many, many years later. Wow. Look at our grandparents hip to the Japanese Voltron business. I guess so. Uh, but yeah, so like getting GoBot, like as a kid getting GoBots, like getting GoBots was like intense, like you – um you're on the school lunch program. Like you're like, yeah. you're poor, like you're poor, like you're the poor yeah. kid. If you have GoBots. Yeah. <laughs> Cause the transformers are so much cooler, but also so bigger, much more expensive. They were actually made out of metal. Like, yeah. 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 They were very, very cool. Uh, I was like fucking, I, I levitated the GoBot joke. And just yes. said, yeah, the GoBots are real in the Marvel cinematic universe. It's just so <laughs> good. And there's like another level of like amazing joke on that. Because in the Marvel Cinematic Universe or the Marvel Comics Universe, there are toy lines that are canonically real things in the Marvel Universe. Like Transformers. 
Well, the Transformers a little bit. Like they never really got super tied in. They definitely Spider-Man shows up in an issue of Transformers. No, but the Transformers don't. Really, but they don't really show up in other books. No, no that's no. the key. So the but the the characters that do show up in other books and that actually like the have Micronauts. like the the Micronauts, um, Shogun Warriors, yeah, and most importantly, Rom Space Knight. Yes. Now James Gunn loves Rom Space Knight. Yes. So I'm guaranteeing you the GoBot reference here is a nod, a secondary nod to Rom Space Knight, who is a toy character that um, Marvel had a license for, and they made Rom kind of like a really important Marvel character. Yes. Yeah. Uh, before they figured out that you shouldn't do that, you shouldn't. Nope, make nope. Your they license. didn't figure it out because then they, not too long ago, they put they gave Conan his own Avengers team, and like weeks later, lost the license to Conan. That's a good point. They actually never learned this. <laughs> so they were like, oh, crap. Uh, Rom Space Knight, uh, he, he was like a very cool. It's like, a, you know, it's like he's like a cool robot man. I don't remember exactly what his whole deal was. He's a Space Knight. He's a Space Knight in the comics. I can't remember what the actual. I think that the um, the toy didn't have a story, right? It was just a figure. And then the Marvel gave it a story, which is what they did with G.I. Joe and Transformers. And Transformers. Yeah, yeah. And um. And Micronauts. Yeah, but uh, uh, Rom, James Gunn's a huge Rom fan, and Rom is important in the um, in the 70s and 80s Marvel Cosmic universe. He's like a yeah. player. And yeah. um, the funny thing is, Marvel actually still has the Space Knights. Yes, just not Rom. Not Rom. So the only Space Knights anybody cares about, they can't use. Um, but like the Space Knights have appeared again uh, in, yeah. in, in other things. Anyway, yeah. Somehow they're still able to use Machine Man, who was introduced in 2001. I don't know how that works out. I don't know how that works out either. I mean, because I guess because the deal that they had for adapting 2001 and doing comics based on 2001 didn't give the studio rights to new characters. Because Rom is not a new character. They took the Rom toy and made a character yeah. out of him, right? Yeah. Um, do you think this is the only Marvel – this can't be the only Marvel podcast where they were going deep into Rom Space Knight, right? This can't be like – I'm, I'm somebody really else out there. There's a, a Rom Space Knight podcast that is 700 episodes in. But I'm saying, like, in terms of like with this Guardians, we can't be the only people that know that this is a Rom Space Knight secondary reference, right? Like, somebody else has to know this. Um, maybe. Who knows? We'll find out. I mean, Gunn is, has not, been Gunn has been vocal about loving Rom Space Knight. Yes, he's very vocal about. It. Um. So uh, I love though at the end of this sequence, uh, Drax beats the shit out of the Gobot. Yes. Very good reels. The camera just put pans over to him beating the shit of the go by. There's so, two things that I find very interesting in the sequence is, and that's one is, is Drax beating the crap out of the guy dressed as a gobot, And the other is when they're showing all the, them taking pictures with everyone. And one of the pictures they take is like a family and it's Mantis and it's a woman dressed as Captain Marvel. And Mantis is looking at Captain Marvel with such rage. And it makes me wonder like, have they come across Captain Marvel in space in the past? And does Mantis not like her? I wonder. You know, it's funny because then when they – so they're walking on Hollywood um, Boulevard and uh, they see the characters, right? Um, Zorro's there. Uh, and they see the characters on Hollywood Boulevard Captain and, Jack. and uh, Captain Jack is there. Um, Mantis sees a guy just like Captain America and goes, Steve, and runs and jumps on him. Yeah. This is my continuity nerd thing. Did she really spend enough time with Steve Rogers to actually have that kind of reaction? I, I don't even know if they ever met. Right? I don't know if they even actually met. Yeah, I yeah. agree that that does not seem to me like a... I guess like, we don't I'm know sure, what happened like, after she, the fight. She blipped, right? She got blipped. 
And then she comes back for the big fight at the end of Endgame. So I guess they might have all had a party afterwards. Yeah, I think we don't know what happened after the fight, right? They might have had yeah. a nice time. I can't like imagine Steve they doesn't... did because they are dealing with like, you know, Tony Stark just died. So I can't imagine they're like, let's all go have a party. You know, like at the end, like at the beginning of Age of Ultron where they have a party. Was she like, at, like so she wasn't at the funeral, right? She, I think she was because I think everybody's at the funeral. Was they all at the funeral? Okay. Maybe, maybe, maybe she had a nice time at the wake with, with Steve. I mean, I, I, it was just funny. That it was a very funny thing because I was like, boy, I don't feel like I got that many scenes, if any, of Mantis with Steve Rogers, which I would have, by the way, liked. Yes. Yeah. Because the only really significant Steve Rogers Guardians interaction is I am, in, I am Steve I am, Rogers. It's yeah. great, which is like really wonderful. Like it's just like a wonderful interaction. Um, but uh, yeah, so they the other thing that's really funny in this is that they um, during this montage where they are taking pictures, people think that they I don't know if they think that they are the Guardian people cosplaying as the Guardians or if they just think they're just like weird costume people. I can't. Yeah, I, it's not this, clear. Is, this is a thing too that this is not James Gunn's job to figure out, but like. Do people on Earth know who the Guardians of the Galaxy are and what they look like is a question. I guess the question is like what Scott Lang has shared in his book and on I podcasts, so. right? I That's the thing. So. Like like how, how long Lang, does he explain them? Because Kevin Bacon does not recognize them and he thinks that they're people in costumes. So I don't know. It's a good point. Kevin Bacon didn't mean to not be that up on this shit. Yeah, I don't know what Kevin Bacon You know what I mean? Like there's plenty of people who are very famous in the real world and very important that I would not yeah. recognize if they walked into my house. Yeah. Uh, but um, the other great bit in the middle of this, in the middle of this montage where they're uh, taking pictures and making money is they find a nativity scene and they just stare quizzically at the nativity <laughs> scene. <laughs> yes. So funny. It's the only reference to Jesus in the whole thing. And yeah. uh, it's like very, it's done very well. I thought. Yes. Yeah. I thought that was good. They go after a successful day of busking on Hollywood Boulevard. They end up at a bar. Um, so here's, I have some trivia for you now. Okay. They end up at a bar called Bordner's. It's a real bar. It's a great bar. Been there yes. many times. I was there with you. The thing is that in this universe though, it's not called Bordner's. The, um, famous neon sign that says Bordner's here says Yarvo's. Yes. Do you get that? No. Yarvo is the nickname of a fellow named David Yaravesky who is James Gunn's best friend. Oh. Directed Brightburn. Oh, okay. Uh, directed a very good movie called The Hive, um, which did not get a lot of attention. Um, but Brightburn, which I quite like. You're mixed on Brightburn. Um, yeah. I quite like Brightburn. And um, I, w- I, I think I've said it before. I would have liked Brightburn more if we didn't have Man of Steel and Batman v Superman. Right. <laughs> um, I, I don't know if Yarvo was Gunn's best man, but like he might have been. It might have been Sean Gunn. Sean like, was, I, from what I can see in the pictures that James Gunn put up, Sean was the, uh, like the minister. Like he, he read the stuff. So it might have been, Yarvo might have been the best man. I mean, like that's, they're really tight. And yeah. um, Yarvo's a really great guy. I've known Yarvo, Yarvo a little wait bit. For his call to do a DC movie. Uh, he's gonna get it. I bet. Um, he's a he's a great guy. Uh, I've 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 hung out with him a few times. Um, and uh, but he's like, what I really like about James Gunn is that James Gunn has like a collection of friends that he has known for a very long time. Yeah. And they all go with him. Yes. And I I really I really admire that. Yeah. That his friends come with him. Yes. Um. And 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 Yarvo getting a little shout out in this way. Yarvo directed a uh, a music video with the Guardians of the Galaxy, actually. Um, so there's, I would a, not there's be... another reference to a James Gunn friend in this. In this, what's story. that? Uh, the Kingo Christmas uh, 
poster. There's another King O poster at the Chinese theater. I didn't see it, but somebody screen capped it. I didn't see that. I, yeah, I there were, as they're walking in front of the Chinese theater, there's another King O poster. But yeah, there's a okay. King O Christmas. Or it's a um, banner, it's not a poster because it's on the. Oh, that's right. It's, it's on a. Uh, yeah. Uh, but, uh, cementing Kingo as the eternal who has the most references outside of the eternals. The only eternal to have references outside of the eternals. Yeah. He was referenced in Ms. Marvel. Great conversation about Kingo and Ms. Marvel. Uh, two characters yeah. bond over his movies. Yep. And now this, and, and, and this. unfortunately Black Panther Wakanda forever should have had a eternals mention. And I thought of recently, which is in their final fight, instead of being on a weird boat in the middle of the ocean, they should have fought on the half-risen, uh, uh, whatever it's called, that is sitting in the middle of the ocean. And that would have been awesome. Oh, the big celestial. Yeah. Oh, that would be interesting. That would have been really cool. That might have been like a little too interconnected for that movie. Jim Shooter would have done it. Jim Shooter would have done it, but nobody liked Jim, Jim Shooter. Jim would have had the celestial coming out being why Namor and his people are coming forward. I mean, maybe. Um, Jim Shooter, nobody liked Jim Shooter, though, so maybe, yes. maybe it's better. But everybody be loved the comics in that period. <laughs> that was like Marvel's greatest age in many ways. Yes, I think it's much better than the Stan and Jack years. Really I, blows it up the I didn't say in every way. <laughs> so they, you know, they go to this bar thinking that maybe Kevin Bacon might be there. And uh, they, the bartender, it's very funny. Why do you think I would know where Kevin Bacon is? Uh, uh, and they get, they get loaded. Bartender is um, a nice little cameo too. Who's that? Oh, it's that's, uh, uh Fula Borg, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, that's right. I knew that. Um, in case you didn't know what this show was, when Mantis takes a shot of alcohol, she does smoke the cartoon character smoke coming out of her mouth. And I feel like if anybody complains about this and they made it this far and they didn't get what this was, yeah. it's their own fault. Yeah. Like this is very clearly stating to you she's doing a cartoon character thing right now. Yeah. Um, and this whole show has real cartoon vibes. Yes. Like, I mean um, this feels like an animated Christmas special. But through. they just made it live action. Yeah. Yeah. Um, They dance. They have a great time. They get really fucked up. And uh, – they uh, end up on the street. Every time Drax takes a, a, a shot, he laughs, or is it just sometimes he laughs? Drax laughs a lot. Drax he has a happy, a happy laugh in life. Yes, he is. Uh, they end up passed out on the street, and uh, they're moaning about how they still don't know where Kevin Bacon is. And then they are overheard by a lady who sells maps to the stars' homes. She tries to get forty bucks from them, but Mantis uses her powers to get it for free, and then uses her powers to <laughs> rob the lady. <laughs> That seemed pretty rough. She so they never use any more money. She just robbed that woman for no reason. <laughs> so good. Uh, <laughs> uh, then they go to Kevin Bacon's. They have like a little animated thing, like where they're like bounce around the map. It's very yes, cute. You see, uh, John Cena shows up in there. Yeah. Um, and Latifah and a couple other people. They um. They go to Kevin Bacon's house. We had met Kevin Bacon previously as he was coming home with some presents. His wife, Kira Sedgwick, shows up and as a on voice the on the phone. Yep. That was nice. And uh, she's out of town. He is at home doing what you think Kevin Bacon might do when he's home alone, which is eating a sandwich and watching Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. <laughs> yep. This is my one note for the show right here. Yep. I And this I'm not so much a note as like if I was on the production team, I, I would have – suggested this i would, I would be like he should be watching the mst version of santa claus conquers the martians just have them just have joel and the bots in the bottom of the, of the screen cracking wise 
I just think that would be too complicated. And since what they have, since what James Gunn is making is Santa Claus conquers the Martians. Yes. He is like, make that's what, that's the same story, right? Like where they can't, they kidnap the earthling and then, you know, everybody learns a lesson. Uh, uh, but I love that Santa Claus conquers the Martians shows up. Um, it was so funny. I was so excited. He's laughing at it. He's (laughs) laughing at it. He's having a great time. So I was watching it with my girlfriend. I watched this movie. I watched this twice. I have not watched any Marvel thing twice except for Eternals in Phase Four. Okay. And I watched this twice, one day after the next. Yeah. And um, we were watching it with my girlfriend, and I was like, "Oh my god, Santa Claus conquers the Martians! It's so great!" I said, "Have you ever seen that?" And she goes, "I think you made me watch some of that." And I said, "It's terrible." She goes, "Yes, it was the worst. <laughs> it is, in fact, fucking awful." That's only However, because I can, I can only guess that she has not seen Santa Claus versus the Devil. <laughs> she has not seen Santa Claus versus the Devil, <laughs> but she has seen select selections from Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. Okay, um, but uh, just a delight to see that. Uh, uh, I'd like to see that. So um, the two drunk idiots show up at Kevin Bacon's house. They begin harassing him over his ring cam. They then uh, jump the fence. A very funny bit where Drax throws Mantis over the fence as she Mid-sense. is pondering whether or not he could. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, throw you over the fence. Don't throw you over the fence. What do you want to do? Uh, and while they're on the other side of the fence, as they're going to their house, Drax falls in love with a little funny man. Yes. His little funny man. It's a little, little inflatable elf. And I mean, Drax is just such a great character. He's the best. He's, he's such a great character. Best. I'm going to cry when he dies in the movie. He's going to die, right? I think most of them are going to die. I agree. Yeah. It feels pretty final. Like I'm probably yeah. going to set up like a new team or something like that. Yes. Yeah. But I, um, I do. I think most of them are going to end up dead at the end. I think he's taking them with him. I think that's what's happening. Yeah, I think so. I, he's all but said that like in, in like tweets and stuff that he's like, look, this is not a happy movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> like this is a very dark, very sad film. So great. <laughs> um, and, and people have been like, will they do a, a guardians Four? He's like, not with this team. <laughs> It's like, wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, the cut to the chase, they bust into Kevin Bacon's house. They have a quick chase scene. I love this too. They have a chase scene that is uh, scored to a rock song. It feels like a funny sequence from a Monkees or a Brady Bunch episode. Yeah, the, the way like the, the camera speeds up when Mantis is jumping all over the walls and stuff. And it's got like a weird like post film sped up. Like they didn't do it in the moment. They, they fast forwarded it later kind of deal like in post-production. Yeah. Yeah. And just the way that all the sound falls away and just becomes the song. That's like classic 1970s slapstick business in a sitcom. Yeah. It's so like like in, in Scooby-Doo when they're running back and forth, right. Different doors and whatnot, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's just terrific. I really, I really loved it. They chase him out, uh, out of the house, he jumps. Kevin Bacon jumps off his own porch, off his own balcony, and uh, the other one of the other great Drax bits is as they're chasing him. Drax says, "Stop! I left my little funny man inside the house," yes. and they have an argument because Mantis has a candy cane that she's stolen from the lawn, and Drax says, "Why do you get to keep your man?" And she's like, "Why do you think this is a man?" <laughs> but also she does say you know i kept it because i was i was responsible i held on to it you let you dropped your little funny man you don't get to have him anymore and she goes listen this is really important peter really 
is sad and we're here to help him. Do you, I mean, I know that you love Peter. Um, what's more important to you, helping your friend that you love or your little funny man? And the comedic beat on this that they take it's so long, it's perfect. <laughs> he really thinks about it and he goes, little funny man. <laughs> so, <laughs> so good. Um, they end up chasing Kevin Bacon into the street uh, where the cops show up. And uh, I, this truly is such a wild fucking show yeah. because the cops show up and uh, <laughs> I think the f- I've never seen or heard this in anything ever my whole life. The cops open fire on Drax and it, the bullets tickle him. Yes. And he goes, stop, I'm going to pee my pants. <laughs> yes. I don't think anyone's ever had that response to being shot in a movie ever in the history of mankind. Not right? that That's, I know of. No. <laughs> So incredible. Um, and then Mantis beats the shit out of all the cops and knocks yes. them out. Yeah. Rough on them. Uh, and then Drax flips a cop car. This actually, I thought of you in this sequence. Oh, did you? She, he flips the cop car and Mantis goes, Drax, we're not, we're not supposed to kill people. And Drax goes, how am I supposed to know? Nobody tells me the rules. <laughs> and this is like your argument about when they do or don't kill. Like that there's yeah. like never like a good defining thing for you. Like, wh- wh- wait, why is it okay to kill this guy but not that guy? Drax yeah. really yeah. feels your pain about this. He does. Me and Drax have a lot in common. <laughs> we we uh, both often miss sarcasm. The, um, the most amazing bit part of this bit, though, is when um, – the cops are okay in the in the car, and Mantis slides her candy cane in and is like, does this look like a man to you? And then she goes, here, you can have this. I really wanted it, but you can have it, so now we're even. It's like incredible. Just absolute yeah. toddler logic. It's yes. so amazing. Yeah. Yeah. They catch up with Kevin Bacon, and um, Mantis uh, puts him in a trance with her powers. And then they rob a Christmas store, and then they fly back to nowhere. On the way back to nowhere – Yep, Drax gets a sweater. He pulls Christmas shit on the way back to nowhere. Um, they have a conversation with Kevin Bacon about what they want him to do, and they realize he's an actor, and they're horrified. Yes. They're so Mantis upset. almost throws up. Drax almost throws up. Drax says, <laughs> we hate you. day of my life. <laughs> <laughs> we hate you. Uh, but what's so fucking funny is that she um, hypnotizes him into being a hero, and his first fucking instinct is to pretend that he's a British soldier in World War II. <laughs> so funny. And by the way, Kevin Bacon does a really good British accent. Isn't he does a really good British accent. It's very, very I funny. Do. And then she goes, no, just do it like you. And he goes, I'm Batman. I mean, yes. I'm Bruce Wayne. And uh, so Bruce Wayne. Who's Bruce Wayne. <laughs> Yeah. They also do the whole thing with the Fonz. They go, do you know the Fonz? Yes. And uh, he goes, Henry Winkler, very nice guy. And it's like, have you ever teamed up? up with him? He's like, dude, does having a dinner once count as a team up? No. She goes, no, eating doesn't count as teaming up. <laughs> it's very funny. Yeah. It's actually true. I think that most comic fans would agree with you. Like if two characters just had like a dinner together, that doesn't count as a team up. They have to have a fight. There has yes. to be fighting to be a team up. Yeah. They got to solve a problem. Um. But they bring him back to nowhere, even though so they, they are. Before we get to that, by the way, this is now the second time the MCU has mentioned Batman because he's also mentioned in, in uh, Eternals. Yeah, Batman exists in the MCU. He's canonical. Yeah, Batman, Superman, DC Comics exists in the MCU. Yeah. So. They take him back to nowhere. We cut to nowhere, and there's Peter Quill eating or something by himself. He's very sad, very, very sad. And he sees um, Groot fucking around. And so he goes and follows Groot out into the courtyard of nowhere. And music is, music is playing music, the smashing pumpkins, uh, yes. a truly bizarre choice. I'm guessing that's on his zoom would be my guess. 
I don't think so. I mean, my only guess is that they picked up Christmas music while they were there. I just figured it was on a Zoom. I don't, maybe, I don't know. I mean, like, it's a... We don't know what's on the Zoom yet, so... I have to tell you that it's a weird choice for James Gunn to use this period. Think so? Yeah, I think so. Why? There are a few bands that are less Christmassy than the Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah. And this song is not a bad song, but it's got classic... Billy Corgan whining lo- lyric, uh, vocals. But it fits the moment very well. I think. It does. It is. It's not bad. It's just like so. I guess I think that if you, having been like a, I'm, I'm like a, a Smashing Pumpkins person, and like yeah. I think maybe that's why it really j- jostled me. Yeah. I mean, if I wasn't like really a Smashing Pumpkins person, Good. it wouldn't. I would but I have very specific like, ideas about the Smashing Pumpkins. Yes. Yeah. But I, I would say, aside from Fairy Tale in New York, and the waitress's Christmas wrapping, he James Gunn is looking for cuts that people aren't going to think of for Christmas. Oh, 100%. No, he's definitely trying to... He's um, James Gunn is just cocky enough and correctly cocky enough to believe that he might be able to make a new Christmas standard. Yes. That by placing songs on this soundtrack, he might be able to push... He's done that. Like, if you listen to the radio, there are songs that people listen to today because of the Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack. Yeah, I mean, like, that first soundtrack was huge. Huge. And it's really just changed. Like there are songs that show up like when you're at a, at a grocery store that just they were not playing before that album came out. Yeah. And I, I remember so he, when when the Guardians trailer came out and it had um Uga Chaga. Uh, yeah, it had Chaga. that. And people were like, You can't use that, that's from Reservoir Dogs. And now whenever you hear it in something, people are like, You can't use that, that's from Guardians of the Galaxy. He pulled it off. He, yeah, he took did. it. No, he's he's got one of the great uh, minds for needle drops. So I mean, yeah. it was just funny to me, like, really like smashing pumpkins. But anyway. Um, I, I'm going to, I'm going to be honest with the people now. Okay. To the listeners. I got very choked up a number of times watching this program. Sure. And this was one of them when okay. Quill goes out and the lights come on and then all of the guardians do their little bit, like where like Nebula makes the snow and then they turn all the other lights and Quill is really blown away and it's like very beautiful. It's very lovely looking. Um, I got choked up by this. There's a perfect background joke in the sequence. Which is what? When Drax turns on the first set of lights and it cuts to Quill's face as the lights come on, but you can see Drax out of focus in the background and he raises his arms in triumph. <laughs> I love it. He's <laughs> like, I turned on the lights! <laughs> it made me laugh so hard. Um, uh, but uh, anyway... I found it very sweet. It was. It was very sweet. It was very sweet. Scene. Um, I, I mean, I cried later on. I got choked up here. Um, I, 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 I did. Sweet, I, I did this. There's like, I have like a certain couple of, um, triggers that really get me. And, couple? um, <laughs> I do. I cry like a baby at shit. Like, it's like very embarrassing. Like we'll watch something here at home and my girlfriend has one eye on me to see if I'm crying. Yeah, because I am. You know, you know where I got this from. I got this from our grandfather. Yes, he cried a lot. He cried. I remember very cl- clearly. We were watching. He's watching an episode of Wheel of Fortune, and a lady won, and yes. he burst into tears. And our yes. racist old grandfather, <laughs> <laughs> our mean, abusive, racist old grandfather, burst into tears because yeah. uh, a lady uh, won on Wheel of Fortune. And I have that gene. I have that that crying at the drop of a hat. I get very emotional. And one of the things that gets me is when people do nice things for other people in movies. Yes. 
Like when a group of people like does something very thoughtful and very or like or recognizes someone as special or nice or wonderful, I get choked up. And that's what this whole sequence is. It's these characters, all of them come out and are celebrating Peter. Because yeah. they don't really have a Christmas, right? They don't understand Christmas. They're all this is just a Peter party, right? Yeah. In this sequence, at some point, I'm gonna jump ahead a little bit. Um maybe Mark Hamill's in it. He is not. Are you sure? According to Mark Hamill's son on Twitter, that is not him. Mark Hamill quoted Nathan Hamill on Twitter and said, it's not me? Quote, okay, question mark. Well, I didn't see that. Okay. Yeah. I uh, I, it looks a lot like him. And it does. Hamill, I Hamill thought it was had, until I saw Hamill, Hamill had been rumored to be in this for a minute. Yes. Uh, Hamill and James Gunn went back and forth on Twitter quite a bit about how they, they never worked together and they should work together. And uh if Gunn is doing partially a riff on the Star Wars holiday special, it really makes a lot of sense to throw Mark Hamill in there. It does. It's funny that, like, um, I don't know that I'm going to take Nathan Hamill's word on it, frankly. Yeah. Like, that's the thing at the end of the day. If Mark Hamill confirms or denies it, then I'm going to take it, but it really fucking looks like Mark Hamill. It does. It very it much. Really, I thought it was. I really thought it was Mark Hamill. I think Gunn hasn't weighed in, right? I have not seen him weigh in. Yeah, traditionally Gunn weighs in on this shit. Yes, he'll usually shoot down things pretty quickly. Pretty quickly. Yeah, which is why uh, I'm still amazed when bullshit scoopers make up stuff about his things because you know he's going to shoot it down. It's pretty crazy. So. But we'll see. We'll see if, if Nathan is is correct or not. Um, but boy, it really did look like Mark Hamill. So if it wasn't Mark Hamill, they definitely said, find me a guy who looks like Mark Hamill. Yes. Uh, let's, let's get him. Let's get him drinking in this in this sequence. Um, so the whole Guardians crew and all the assorted aliens of nowhere show up and Peter's overwhelmed. And then they wheel out a giant box for him. And um, he's totally overwhelmed. They bought him a big present. And then as he gets closer, the box is moving and he hears somebody inside the box saying that he's going to pass out because yep. there's no air in there. So Peter opens it up and it's Kevin Bacon inside the box. He's very happy to be there. Kevin May goes, hey, you must be Pete. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And uh, Peter Quill is very upset uh, that they have done this. And uh, and, uh, one of my favorite bits, as as everybody else realizes this was a bad idea and begins distancing themselves from it, Drax is like, yes, it was my idea. (laughs) What I love love is that Peter goes, this is human trafficking. And Drax goes, it is. It's so so good. It's so good. It's so so good. Um, and uh, so Quill has uh, Mantis unhypnotize Kevin Bacon. He immediately runs away in terror. Sends Nebula after him. She pulls out her gun, and uh, she goes, "You can't run from me, Bacon." Uh, very very funny. Uh, cut to the chase. Um, on the ship, he's going to send Kevin Bacon home. And Kragman's going to fly Kevin Bacon home. And they're on the ship, and Bacon gets a phone call from Kira Sedgwick. He's shocked that he can get a phone call on this uh, severed celestial head that that they're in. And uh, he's, like, talking to her and then realizes as Kraglin is telling him that um, they did this because Kevin Bacon meant so much to Quill. And that Quill's favorite thing to do would tell stories about Kevin Bacon and how he saved people and the important things that he did. You, and, you saved the town through dancing and Quill saved the universe through dancing. But he did it for real. And, uh, yeah. but I think it's actually funny. I think this is one, such an amazing thing that James Gunn does, which is that like 
the the idea that actors are pieces of shit and that acting is stupid and disgusting. Yeah. Um, this is like the other side of it. This is like Kevin Bacon seeing the impact that he has made on a person. Yes. Um, it's like very beautiful. Like it's it is. crazy yeah. how Gunn can do this. Yeah. He does it really effortlessly that he takes this thing, this like joke about actors being pieces of shit. And then you realize it was a setup for a whole sequence where Kevin Bacon's going to see the impact that he has made on this guy's life. Yeah. And he's going to stick around well, and he's going to help teach him about Christmas. The power of James Gunn is that he can take an old tired type of joke, like, Oh, actors suck and really make it important and make it poignant and like, and be like, Oh, Oh, that's why he was using that old tired joke was to flip it a little bit. Also, it's just a great, it's just a great, like to have these space characters fucking hate actors is just uh, immensely hilarious anyway. Like just like out of all of the characters in any place that it's these like space characters that fucking hate actors is like so hilarious to me. Yeah. Um, Really absolutely uh, adored that running gag. Um, so Kevin Bacon decides to stay and he's going to teach everybody about what Christmas means. And so he shows up and he does a number with the band. Yes. Um, of course the Bacon brothers, Kevin Bacon does tour the country playing music. He does indeed. And we have a montage where it's a good song. It's a cute song. It's a nice song. And, uh, we have a montage where everybody's hanging out. They're sharing gifts. This is where rocket finally gets Bucky's arm from Nebula. (laughs) Uh, which has upset a certain segment of the fan base. Um, Although, as James Gunn explained on Twitter, Nebula went to Earth, ripped it off of Bucky, and brought it back. So yeah, there there you go. Go. that's it. There you go. That's it. Yeah, uh, Luke gets a, a Game Boy, and he does a little excited hop when he gets yes. it. I, I love uh, that. And then the sweetest thing, Groot makes little sculptures for everybody. It's little dioramas of the entire episode, ending with Kraglin holding himself Smiling holding and laughing, himself. holding himself, smiling and laughing, holding himself, holding himself smiling. smiling. It's really great. It's <laughs> yeah. so, it's so terrific. Yeah. It's so, so terrific. Um, and then and Kevin uh, Bacon. Uh, uh, Cosmo gives Craglin a dead rat. <laughs> he sure does. Yes. Craglin gives Cosmo a little scratch behind the ears. Yes. Despite being unbelievably disgusted by this dead space yeah. rat. Yeah. Um, and then Kevin Bacon has to go home and, uh, he says, he says goodbye. He says, I'll see you in Easter. Uh, and then uh, Quill has a talk with Mantis. Like, why Why would you do this? Like, this is so much effort. Like, why would you do it? And she's like, well, we care about you and you're sad. And then she goes, I have to tell you something. And uh, I like how this is done because like in a different story, she goes, ego is, ego is, and the answer is like, he's alive. Uh, yeah. But no, ego is my father too. And uh she says, you know, um, I'm your sister. And he says, this is the greatest Christmas gift I could ever get. Yes. And she said, we did it because Craglin told us the story about how Yandu ruined Christmas. And Quill says, I don't think Craglin knows the end of that story because that story ends with Yandu finding all the stuff in the trash, opening up the gift that Quill got for him. The little bobblehead. This is what, that made me cry. Yeah. Yeah. I was just very sweet. It was a very sweet callback to a character relationship that I find very emotional. Yeah. Um, I'm also just, I'm like, as we've established, I'm a huge softie. Like I cry at all kinds of shit. I've been known to cry at commercials, frankly. So, I mean, nobody should Adam. be, I, I wept throughout all the black Adam. <laughs> I cried watching black Adam, the sheer force of the rearranging of the hierarchy of power of the DC universe. <laughs> I cried tears of awe that, that entire film. Watching The Rock continue to flog that movie on Twitter is pretty incredible. Yeah, it's impressive. He's not giving up on it. Nope. 
It is not a success by any significant metric, um, and nobody liked it, uh, but he is not giving up on it. Nope. And, he's, got, uh, he's got high hopes. He's got, he does have high hopes. He's like that. He's like that ant with the rubber tree plant. Uh, he, he also, truly, I think, I don't know if he, he's aware that James Gunn and Peter Safran are in charge of DC because he keeps talking about what we are going to do. <laughs> and it's like, I don't think they're, they're talking to you very much. I, I mean, maybe they are. Know. We don't know. Maybe, I mean, yeah, I, I know. you know, I, I, so the thing is, I do think that, that James Gunn could make a very good movie with The Rock, by the way. So here's the thing. This is really funny. Talking about like movie stars and stuff like that. Um, to look at The Rock and compare him to Dave Bautista, and they're both wrestlers, right? Like, so that's the deal. And John Cena. And John Cena. And to see how two of those guys have done such interesting work. Yeah. And then The Rock. The, the Rock, Rock has done interesting work, too. Let's be he's, done, he's done interesting work, but he's never – very early in his career, he did stuff that was more interesting. But the yeah. further he's gotten in his career, the less interesting his stuff gets. Yes. And he's – the Rock has the attitude of a movie star. The attitude of a movie star is that nobody else in this movie can be as important as me, can have as much good stuff to do as me, or can be, um, you know, getting it's as much fast cool shit. Problem where it's like I can't. Nobody can lose a fight, and right, exactly. So yeah. that's he. But that's the Rock's whole thing in all of his movies. But John Cena and Dave Bautista don't have that, right? No. So they get to be silly or weird, and they get to lose, and they get to be sad, and they get to do all these things that the Rock can't do anymore. No, it's just not acceptable for him so now could gun convince the rock to turn it around yes i think he could and get back to his like get shorty days or whatever well that was when yeah. he was in right was he in get shorty no he was in the sequel to get shorty be okay. cool be cool that's when he was in like get back to but those in, days uh, southland tales which is a real weird one and yeah but he's southland tales is a weird one uh i wonder if southland tales is like where he like pivoted that movie yes. is such a disaster. Yeah, and he's like, was, I'm done with this shit. Everyone thought that was going to be a huge hit and like get Oscars. And then came out and everyone's like, what the hell is this? And then he kind of, after that, I think he was like, I'm just sticking to action movies. And I'm sticking to action movies where I'm the and one like, sole lead. And I mean, the, like the closest he gets to like sharing the screen people is the Jumanji movies, right? That's the closest he gets. I mean, any mo- any of his movies with uh, Kevin Hart, they're usually like co-leads. But yeah, he's never, he's their co-leads, but they're, um, he gets the, um, He's, he's the, buddy. the tough guy, straight man, and and Kevin Hart is the the wacky. Yeah, he gets side he un, yeah. yeah he understands the buddy story thing. He that he can do. He can do a yeah. buddy thing because yeah. he's always going to be bigger, tougher than Kevin Hart, no matter what happens in that movie. Yeah, and so he's comfortable doing that. Yeah. Um, but like John Cena would be very happy to be like. Well, he did uh, Hobbs and Shaw, right? So that I mean that one too. I mean. They're both tough guys in that one. Yeah, but he's the lead of Hobbs and Shaw. Yes, he is. Yeah. He really is. It's I mean, like, it's not yeah, even a question because girl. Yeah. yeah. It's it's his family. Like it's 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 his movie. Like Shaw's yeah. in it and they put Shaw's name on the thing, but like, you know, it's it's a Hobbs movie, frankly. Yeah. I think it was developed as a Hobbs movie. Was it? I don't know. I think it might have been. Um, but anyway, uh Yeah, but anyway, that's that's what got me was this callback to that thing that was on Yandu's dashboard and just the sweetness of it. And then we re- realized that what happened was that Yandu did buy Quill presents and he bought him, in fact, his, his iconic guns. Yes. Perfect um, gift for a 10 year old. I mean, the, the Ravagers, man. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they then fly off into hyperspace. Uh, and as any good Christmas special must do, their trail leaves behind the message, Merry Christmas and happy holidays from us all. Yes. Uh, 
what'd you what what what'd you think of this one? I thought it was very fun. I thought it was I very really fun loved it. I really loved I, it. One thing I did wonder watching it, I was like, I wonder if there were any discussions of like we should put this in theaters for like a week. And we could probably make an easy twenty million real quick. I don't know. I think people wouldn't want to go to the theaters for a forty seven minute long thing. Yeah, that's the only problem. Yeah. That's the problem. It's too long to it's too long, but also too short. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's too long to put in front of another movie. Yeah. And it's too um short to be its own thing. Yeah. Um but uh, it was really great. I think also one of the big pluses for this is because they shot it while they were making a real movie. There's like the some costumes. Yeah, it's got and, like yeah. some production value attached to it. Yeah. Yeah, it looks um, great. All that CGI looks great. Actually, one of my favorite little bits, one of my favorite little jokes in the – speaking of CGI is uh, Kevin Bacon's freaking out and Rocket says, don't worry. We're not going to hurt you. And then Kevin Bacon goes, this raccoon's talking to me. He goes, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> it's like. Very good. It's a very good bit. Very yeah. good joke. Uh, but like, that's really great that having these, this stuff available to them to shoot a couple of days on yeah. and to get the value from it, I think was really smart. Really, really, really smart. And then we get a post-credit sequence that promises something that likely will never happen. Yeah. So the post-credit sequence is Cosmo. I was happy having much more Cosmo in this, by the way. Yes. I like yeah. the sassy Russian lady voice coming out of Cosmo. That's um, what's her name. I can't remember if Cosmo spoke in... Guardians one. He doesn't. Oh, she doesn't. Uh, Cosmo does not in the first one. Cosmo okay. is just like in a cage mostly. But, but like the post credit scene is Cosmo and uh, Howard the Duck. Howard the Duck, right? And Howard uh, talks. I know that. I Howard talks. Yeah. It's what's his name? Seth Green. Yeah. Um, but uh, Kevin Pollock of our time. <laughs> uh, Seth Green, a buddy of. Uh, I'm one of the buddies of James Gunn, but the voice of Cosmo like, here, the voice of Cosmo I like Kevin here. Pollack. I wasn't saying that as a bad thing. I'm saying as a guy who shows up and stuff and you're like, Whoa, <laughs> there he is. Um, Cosmo here is, um, is Maria Bakalova. Yes. From Borat. From Borat. Yeah. Uh, she really having a pretty good, um, a pretty good, yeah, she, there was never a voice I think on Cosmo previous. Um, but she's delightful. She's very, very good. And it's very quick. Like, they don't really do a lot with it. Like they don't go out of their way. No. Um, but uh, did you see Bodies, Bodies, Bodies? I did not. She's in Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. She's really good in Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Yeah. She's terrific in it. I really like that movie a lot. Um, it's a very controversial picture. So it is. Some folks really Every hate that picture. picture is controversial now. Some folks really, really hate that, but I quite like that one. Um, anyway, I thought this was great. I thought this was delightful. I want to see a lot more one-shots from Marvel. Um, yes. I want to see more one-shots like this. You know, like I don't want to see one shots are like, we're going to introduce these new characters because I think that's one of the problems with Werewolf by Night is it's it's there's no connection in it and it's not long enough to build connection. So it's just kind of like running around stuff where this it's like, oh, we know these characters. Like you said, like now we get a little story that's not them saving the universe. It's not them changing time or anything. It's just a little little ditty. Like, here's a little side story. You know, here's a yeah. here's a here's a, a single issue story. Is it's not even is. a single issue story. I would say this is in comic book terms, an eight pager. Yes. Yeah. This is an eight pager. This is a, um, the Marvel universe Christmas special comic. Yes. Yeah. It has like 10 stories in it or whatever. Yeah. Um, 80 pages, you know, and this is one of the eight pagers. Yeah. Um, I would say that that's what this is. And I, I, I love that. I think that's terrific. Yeah. So I'd like to see what more a, like that. What a good time. What I was just, I, the thing also is that, um, 
maybe I'm crazy, but watching this, the world has not been ideal lately. Nope. For an hour I watched this, I felt happy. I felt kindness. I felt silliness. Um, I felt a little bit of joy. It really made me feel good in a time when there's not a lot of feeling good going around. Yeah. And that, that was pretty incredible. I thought yeah. it was actually pretty incredible that it just from beginning to end made me feel good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, just, good. just delightful. It's a perfect little Christmas special. It is a perfect little Christmas special. It's the yeah. kind of thing that you can really imagine yourself coming back to um, in the future. Yeah. We didn't so. explain what the post credit scene was, by the way. Oh, yeah. So it's Cosmo and Rocket, and they are trimming Groot. Yes. As you one trims a Christmas tree. And then Groot puts his arms down, and everything falls off. And Rocket says, Ah, you ruined. <laughs> Cosmo says, You've ruined. You've ruined Christmas yet again, Groot. And then Cosmo, uh, Rocket says, Ah, great. Now we're going to have to do another special. And yes. Yeah. But they're all going to be dead. They'll all be dead. But there are many years well, where they could not. have. Yeah, well, I guess we'll. we'll We'll we, do, we do know that whatever it is, James Gunn will not be doing it. James Gunn will, in fact, not be doing it. Correct. Yeah. So. Uh, so we both really enjoyed this one. Yeah, I, I I thought it was really fun. I thought it was really fun. It was real good, like, time. I'm interested to see where it fits into the timeline of Guardians. Right. And, you know, with the third movie. You know, like, is Cosmo just going to be hanging out in the third movie? Or... Do they pick up Cosmo along the way? Does she join the team along the way? And then at some point it skips uh, like a month and this is when th- that that's when this happens? Or? Well, it's funny because Cosmo's like really part of the group, right? Like when they have the yeah. big group hug at the end, um, yeah. Cosmo's like in that group hug. Yeah. 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 So I, I don't know. I don't know where it's going to fit in. I'm interested. It's funny. This has made me more excited for Guardians 3 than anything anything else. Oh, but yeah? just re- revisiting with these characters for a minute in this kind of context where it's all sweet and dumb. Yeah. Reminded me of what I liked about those movies when they came out originally. Yes. That the tone was just so specifically different from everything else. Yes. And this really captured the thing that was really different about them. And <clears throat> as we've like hit like the point now in the third movie where there's like more narrative to deal with, um, it's nice to be reminded of when they're also just silly and dumb. Yeah, because when they're silly and dumb is kind of when I like them the best. Yeah. I do wonder, like, what was, for the actors, what was doing this like? You know? I mean, they did it while they were shooting a fucking movie, so probably this was like, they didn't get days off. Yeah. Probably when everybody else had a day off where they were shooting a scene that those actors weren't in, they were off here shooting this that stuff. It's weird. It is weird. That'd be a little rough for uh, Trax and Mantis. Boy, it's got to be tough getting paid all that money. Um, real hassle. I mean, they're putting uh, on all that makeup. Like, like I do. Like I wonder if, like, when they started discussing this, if James Gunn brings it in, and if anyone was like, "Can we use characters who aren't covered in makeup all the time?" <laughs> like, is that possible? <laughs> That's a lot of money <laughs> for, for Christmas special that we're going to give away on Disney Plus. Yep. All right. Um, well, Disney Plus, there's some revelations. Disney Plus lost a billion dollars last quarter, so yep. maybe don't get too excited about future Disney Plus stuff. <laughs> Certainly find out why Bob Chappick got fired. <laughs> yeah, uh, you find it out. Yeah, this uh, could be among the swan songs for the Disney Plus stuff, so I guess we'll find yeah. out. It's going to be a real problem for this te- for this podcast, I'll tell you that much. Um, Selling Disney to Apple. <laughs> All right. So uh, we'll be back again next week with the next episode of X-Men, the animated series. That's what we're going back to now that we've finish the this uh until then derek where can they find you on the internet 
You can find me on Twitter at WH underscore Woolhat. You can find me on Twitter at Devin CF. We'll see you again next week. Until then, may you be ha- may you be happy, may you be healthy, may you be safe, may you be well. But most of all, may you have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. A little early, it was a long month. I know, but that's when the holiday special came out. I know. Okay. <laughs>